Welcome to the Warriors Arise podcast, a safe place to talk about unsafe things. Here's your host, Jane Zahasky. Welcome to the Warriors Arise podcast. This is Susie Hansen, president of Warriors Arise Ministry. We're going to take the last few weeks of the year to bring back some of our fan favorite episodes. This week, we are going to hear about a mom's journey of grief and healing after losing two of her precious sons. Grief can be debilitating, and whether you're grieving an untimely death of a loved one, the loss of a relationship or a job, Grace gives us some great tools to use as we walk the journey of grief into healing. Enjoy this powerful episode. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Jane Zahasky. And today, Stephanie Reed, co-founder of Warriors Arise, is with me. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. And you brought a friend with you today. I did. Yes. Can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about your friend, Grace? Yes. Hi, Grace. Welcome to Warriors Arise podcast. Hi, Stephanie. I'm so happy you're here. Now, Grace and I met almost 15 years ago at the church that we're still pastoring at, and I just fell in love with your family, Grace, and I just remember seeing you guys always come in as a big family, and coming from a family that never did anything together, I was just was like, man, what would it be like to be a part of something like that? So from the background, I was always watching you guys. I was always admiring you guys, and you and Reed as parents, gosh, I just... I lo- fell in love with you guys the first time I ever saw you. Mm. And so to That's watch, so I'm serious, and to watch you guys walk through tragedy after tragedy with what you'll be sharing with us today, which is so much love and grace, mm-hmm. and it's just so ad- admirable. And so I'm just so excited for our listeners to hear your story and to fall in love for the same reasons why I fell in love with you. Mm-hmm. So thanks Thank for being you, here, Grace. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Appreciate being here. Yes. Grace, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Okay. Well, (laughs) my husband and I met uh, in the 80s, and God did a big work in our lives. I was raised in a real deep Christian heritage and never knew a time when I didn't know and love Jesus. So we met. God delivered us of a lot of things. That's kind of how we kind of finally were ready to be married. Mm -hmm. And we began very involved in the uh, church. We were intercessory prayer warriors. And Mm -hmm. so we prayed over our children from the time they were conceived and carefully prayed over them and their future. And we became children's church pastors. And so we had the privilege. I have an older daughter and then we had four sons. Wow. And so we had the pleasure of yes. leading them to Christ or oh. praying the prayer of salvation with them yes. and baptizing Especially. them. And then we got, I kind of got pulled into homeschooling. And they, they had home births <laughs> and then got pulled into I love that. <laughs> homeschooling. And, uh, and God just progressively just yeah. showed us the next step to take. So for us, we felt like, um, beyond God and our marriage, the next step, our biggest ministry was raising our uh, our daughter as a woman of God yeah. and our four sons yeah. as men of God. And that was to uh, perpetuate God's kingdom and for His glory. And so it's kind of like uh, a word picture of that would be like we were pioneers and we were out 
settling the land and clearing the land and pulling big stumps out for this Christian heritage that was supposed to go ahead of us. Right. But we were doing it maybe dirty and sweaty and everything, but with joy. Yes. Laughter. Because it was what we were called to do. That's a beautiful visual. I just love how you (laughs) described that. That is so wonderful. So you had a plan. (laughs) You had a plan for your family. And can you tell us what happened? 2002 kind of changed that plan. Yes, it did. Yeah. As I said, I was homeschooling my four uh, boys and my eldest son, Levi, was 14. And just to give you a little background on Levi, he was that bigger than life kid. Mm. He was very athletic. He was an artist and drew beautifully. He was a musician. He played the piano well beyond his years. He played guitar, was looking forward to playing drums. Mm-hmm. He Dance like Usher and oh, he was just nice. white boy dancing. You know, uh, well, okay, let me just put this way. He was kind of like Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber yeah. was even around. <laughs> That's awesome. He sang, he, but he loved BMX biking and he yeah. would do that adrenaline stuff where he wow. jumped these jumps. And, yeah. and so he's just a really popular all around kid, but yeah. he really had the gift of evangelism. He had this charisma mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. We loved to entertain people and he would bring his friends to church and say, we're not staying in the back. We're running down at the wow. front and dancing and worshiping God, wow. you know, during youth. Yeah. So it came as a big surprise mm-hmm. to us with absolutely no warning or signs when on April 10th, 2002, mm-hmm. our son Levi took his life. Mm-hmm. And God did something very wonderful that morning in that when I Went to wake him up. Usually it would be like, get up, get up. We're running late. Get started with school. Get your math out or whatever. And I lingered at the door and I saw him laying on the bed. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a shirt on. He was laying on his chest. And I just went over and rubbed his back like he liked. And I mm-hmm. thought, I'm going to wake him up this way, which was weird. I didn't normally do that. And I leaned over to get a kiss. And I remember saying, it's pretty sad. You know, his mother's a 14-year-old boy. have to sneak sugars off. And when I I did, I felt his heart beating in his back. And I remember there was a a commercial everywhere about that time about how many times a heart beats Mm. throughout the day and throughout your life. And I remember just stopping and the Holy Spirit just fell on me. I thought, you've grown into a young man and oh god he we are fearfully and wonderfully made you you created this heart you're the heart creator and you're the heart starter you started this heart and it will beat the rest of his life That's yeah beautiful. and wow. immediately the lord just spoke to me yes grace i created this heart i started this heart and only i say when it stops mm, that's good Grace. And I was thinking 80 years, right. you know. Right. He says, not science, not doctors. I say when this heart can stop. Wow. And I had no idea that, you know, four or five hours later, I would be pounding on that chest trying to get his heart to start beating and mm. giving him CPR. His brothers found him. I was gone grocery shopping, and his mm. brothers found him. And and then I did CPR, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, he passed. Mm. And that started a very unbelievable journey for us. We just ripped the rug right up from under us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when you realize that you can have a plan, but God's plan is sometimes completely different. Mm -hmm. And and we don't understand why. No, we don't. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So how did your family 
just deal with that? And how did you move on? It was a, it's been a long journey. I would say, first of all, right off the bat, one of the wonderful things that happened is our pastor um, mm-hmm. spoke to us that night about mm-hmm. how, and other teachers I admired, teachers of the word, mm-hmm. that there is no biblical scripture that backs up where our children or our loved one goes after taking their life, mm-hmm. after suicide. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, what they do, one act, does not disqualify them from eternity. Mm-hmm. It does not define their whole life, that right. one act, even if it's at the very oh, least. Yes, that is so good. And so right in the very beginning, you asked me how we did it. Well, yeah. the Holy Spirit did it because yeah. we were just clinging on. And um, right at the very beginning, I remember the morning of his funeral, we'd had that um, scripture, eight, uh, Romans 8, 38 and not, 39, you know, the one that says, uh, neither height or depth or any other creature can separate us from the love of God. And it goes on and saying angels or principalities or powers, things now and things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm-hmm. And then the, then that we had that kind of on the bulletin there. Yeah. But God spoke to me that, that morning. It's like, we get, it's like all of a sudden the scripture downloaded in my mind, and it's one I'd heard before, but it's not one I'd memorized, but it almost came in my mind like memory. Yeah. Like I'd memorized it. I never had. Yeah. And it just flooded my mind with John uh, 10, where it says, My sheep will hear my voice, and I know them, and they, they will follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Mm. I and my Father are one. Mm-hmm. And that scripture just grounded me Yeah, that yeah. we are safely in the Father's hand, and we're in Jesus' hand. Yes. And so that started this journey of just keeping ourselves tethered to God's Word and and to what he was saying about the situation. Mm-hmm. Because I know that, you know, the survival instinct is so strong. Yeah. God gave us that instinct. So to override it, there has to be something very powerful. Yes. Very powerful. So an underdeveloped brain, like, for instance, my son at that time, 2002, we'd never even known anyone who'd taken their life by suicide. Mm-hmm. We didn't know to warn him. First of all, he wasn't melancholy. He didn't have any signs, and he didn't come from an abusive home. And we just didn't even know to warn him, yeah. you know, about yeah. that. And so we know that young minds, they say even up to the age of 25, when I say young, mm-hmm. that the frontal cortex isn't even all the synapses, and yeah. it isn't even completely connected and that's the part of your brain that controls understanding consequences Mm -hmm. understanding social situations Mm -hmm. you know and so uh, a young undeveloped brain or mental illness something that would make your mind not even be able to think correctly yeah you know yeah it could bring turmoil with depression and anxiety when you just don't feel like you can get out right or also drug and alcohol addiction yeah you're just those things often lead mm-hmm. to 
I feel, or it's been my experience to suicide, and Mm -hmm. those are not being in the right mind. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus died on the cross for those things. Mm -hmm. For us to have a sound mind. Right. So what that showed me was that um, the turmoil that at that time, someone who takes their life, there's... It's very powerful, mm-hmm. and God can deliver them of that and yeah, heal them. Right. Yeah, yeah. But not to cast judgment, mm-hmm. you know, on someone who has done that because they really weren't in the right mind right. Right. at that time. Yep, yep. It's so good. You just said something that we had talked about a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure that we don't overlook it mm-hmm. with our recording. But you used the words, took his life. To suicide. Mm-hmm. And you brought it up to me. I had never heard this, that you don't want to use the words committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And can you share a little bit about that? Well, at one time, and I can't say this for every state in the union, but yeah. at one time it was against the law mm-hmm. to take your life. So when you say commit committed suicide, it kind of like parallels yeah. excuse me, yeah. <laughs> with committed Mm-hmm. A uh, unlawful act. Yeah. Okay. So breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of refrain from saying committed. And yes, suicide is is wrong. It is harmful. It's it's taking the life that God has given you. Mm-hmm. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. And we all know and deep down that that's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's an act of disobedience. Mm-hmm. It is not, as I was alluding to earlier, the unpardonable sin. Right. As many people have been taught, and it's mm-hmm. man's theology. Mm-hmm. It's not backed up with any scripture. That's what Pastor Craig was telling me. That's yeah. what these scriptures are telling me, that yeah. we are safe in his hand and no one can snatch us out. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people need to hear that. And, yeah. Yes. Nothing can Absolutely. separate us from the love of God. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I love how your family hung on to Scripture, mm-hmm. God's Word, to get through. But that's not all that happened with your family. No, it's not. No. So, 14 years later, can you share with us what happened? Well, as I said, my sons were the ones that found Levi, his uh, younger brothers, and we had—I'll st- back up just a little bit. Yeah. Through that journey— we had started out just kind of surviving, mm-hmm. surviving, surviving, until God began, as we walked that journey, began to change how we walked that out. So when you're talking about 14 years later, mm-hmm. many people didn't even know what had happened with Levi because God has had healed us. Yeah. And, and we went from maybe being so desperate for God to do something good or believing he could never do something good out of it Mm -hmm. to, you know, finally a turning point out of my unbelief, a turning point of saying, yes, okay, God, you allowed this to happen. So I'm going to trust you that you're good and Mm -hmm. you're loving. And so I think my, my, I'm going to say yes and amen Mm -hmm. to what you allowed. Yeah. And we chose to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yeah. As it says in Psalms. And um, one of the things my son, Hap Cole, dealt with is he was a lot like Levi in that he was a little entertainer, maybe Mm -hmm. a little ADD. But (laughs) I got that information into him any way I could. Yeah. (laughs) Homeschooling him. But 
He was an athlete. He, he just loved his friends, loved animals, loved a- nature. He was quite a, a great left-handed baseball player. He just really, we lo- enjoyed watching him play, and he enjoyed playing. But somewhere, I would say in his late teens, he began to be very angry. He would, and I know that some of that's in the hormonal changes and ADD and all that, but he began to be depressed. Mm. He went through a little a breakup with a young girl, and that was the first time he talked about suicide. So we went from a child doing something that we had no warning to beginning to see depression, mm. loneliness, kind of feel all, him always feeling isolated, like yeah. no one really cares about me. Well, mom, you have to love me, but I'm talking about, you know, that right, kind of thing. Right. And um, he began to experiment with drugs mm-hmm. and eventually it turned out his older brother came back from the mission field and we all decided and he decided that maybe that would be a good fit for him to, to mm. do that. So he went to YWAM and I'm telling you, God got a hold of him yeah. and began to heal him. He had not only been there when his brother passed, mm-hmm. but his very best friend from the time he was five at 18 years old had a drug overdose. And then his other very good friend who kind of, when that friend started really getting deep into drugs, this mm-hmm. other friend kind of came along and they, he hung out with him a lot. He ended up actually taking his life the same way that Levi did. Mm-hmm. So he had experienced three major deaths. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw God just, he called me, says, Mom, I, God's taking me through the grieving process. I, I just didn't know how much hurt I was carrying. And mm-hmm. we just saw him turn into the young man of God we knew that yeah. God had called him to be. Yeah. And um, things were going well. And then he came home from um, several different mission adventures in which I would have people come and tell me. He he says he just, I watched him just pray over and cry and pray over young men that were addicted and were high on drugs. And um, he said, I want that kind of compassion for the lost. And he he was able to share and help some a young man in Poland that was older than him. Mm-hmm. But God just put this man on his heart for the whole three months he was there traveling. And in the end, he had a divine appointment with him. And he began to share. This guy says, well, you can't stop me. And you don't know me from where I live or anything. But I'm telling you, tonight I'm out of here. And mm-hmm. he told him why. He was just yeah. so heartbroken. And Cole just said, I understand how you must feel, but Mm. let me tell you a little story of what it's like to be left behind. And he began to tell him what it was like to be left behind from Mm. his brother Levi and used that story to God's glory and began to share with that man that that God had ordained him to be the the father over his children. And if he checked out, maybe his children would never understand the Father God's love for them. Right. And anyway, oh, he ended up praising them, turning into singing. They were singing and praising oh. the Lord, and that whole thing was lifted off of that man. And another story, he was in New York, and there was a homeless guy. His sister lived in New York, uh, my daughter, and there was this homeless guy that she was aware of, and mm-hmm. he came in from uh, going somewhere outside. He came in, he said, 
I ran into this guy and his name was so-and-so. And Mm -hmm. my sister said, well, I mean, his sister said, Mm -hmm. well, actually his name is this, but he says he's this because he's not, you know, and she was aware of him and knew him. And um, so he goes, well, I got to pray over him. Oh, well, years later, yeah. That guy kind of disappeared. He wasn't homeless there in yeah. the area. And my daughter didn't know what happened to him. And years later, after uh, Cole passed, she said he came and found her and said, your brother prayed for me. Oh, wow. Your brother prayed for me. And wow. God changed my life. And oh. that's why I haven't been here on the street. I'm telling you, uh, there were remarkable stories of, yeah. of the things that God called him to that he did through him. Not yeah. that Cole was anyone, but that God yeah. used him. He was obedient. Yes. yes. And he would come home just from Walmart and say, Mom, I saw this guy, and I just knew I was supposed to talk to him, oh. and everything kept getting in the way, and then finally I got to share with him. And, <laughs> oh. and that's where his focus was. Yeah. And it wasn't until there's a hard transition sometimes from being on the mission field and being kind of in this bubble with all these other believers to actually hitting the road and coming home and mm-hmm. living real life. Mm-hmm. With that, there was a young woman that he felt like God maybe was calling him to marry. Yeah. And they had a long distance relationship and it was, it got, it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. He didn't press into a body, a church body. Mm-hmm. He didn't press into those people that were like-minded and like-spirited. He yeah. began to kind of hang out with the lost yeah, and yeah. people that weren't doing very well, hoping to help them. Yeah. And then this breakup with this girl again, mm-hmm. just he began drinking at mm-hmm. night. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. And um, he began getting, we started seeing the depression and the doubt, that mental illness creep in yeah. it was like a two-year process but within two years he had drank such volumes of alcohol each day mm-hmm. that only in that short period of time he had really messed up his brain his oh, liver wow. his pancreatitis he was yeah. in and out of the hospital mm-hmm. a lot of um, turmoil from the mental illness from then feeling in debt mm-hmm. because of the all the but you're yeah. knowing that you've yeah really messed your body up yeah. And we finally, we didn't ever kick him out because we just didn't feel like God was telling him to do that. But that, yeah. that whole road of alcoholism or drug addiction, it's a yeah. very strange road that you, you're you trying to find your way through with helping someone and mm-hmm. mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mental illness. And in the end, he had a plan. He bought his plane ticket. He was headed back to this place where he'd gone with the missions with YWAM and he was going to leave in two weeks. He ended up in the hospital, mm-hmm. detoxed for five days in the hospital because his he had mm. pancreatitis. Sure, yeah. And we prayed with him that day that God had made a place for him to go, and they were mm-hmm. getting all the last minute, last details lined up for him to go. And yeah. um, that night he came home, and within that evening, within about four or five hours, he he took his life and. We thought all the guns, we had taken all the guns out of the house. We had, because yeah. he told us that's the way he would do it. Wow. And um, he was sneaky, and he f- he figured out a way to get uh, get one back. We had no idea he had it. And so then starts this process of, oh, my gosh, how could this have happened again? Right. Wow. And why would you, God, would you allow this to happen again? Mm-hmm. And what could we have done differently? You know, the blame game's a big thing when uh, yeah. you're grieving yeah. for someone. Wow. So this time, where it was doubt and unbelief with Levi, this time I was angry. Mm-hmm. Roughly yeah. so. Yeah. 
I was very angry at God. I was very angry at people. Yeah. And it was it was almost like the anger. I want to say it's your emotions are your emotions. Mm-hmm. And God is big enough to deal with your emotions. Yes, and there is yes. no right or wrong way of grieving mm-hmm. a loved one. Mm-hmm. There is no right or wrong period of time. Mm-hmm. They're going to be gone for your life, the rest of your life. And I would say, depending on how intimately you love that person and knew that person, mm-hmm. might have a little bit to do with how long yeah. that, that state of grief or whatever, yeah. whatever that looks like. Because yeah. it's a journey to the end. Absolutely. And so... Like I said, I, I was angry this time, and God was very gracious, and my loved ones mm. were very gracious mm-hmm. and patient with me. Yeah, yeah. And one day, uh, you want me to keep going about yeah, this? Okay. Yeah. Well, one day, I remember I was sitting with two of my friend, dear friends. One was just loved my kids, loved my boys, loved him, and I was so mad. And she said, Grace, I don't know how this could happen. I don't understand it. But... I just know that mm-hmm. God is going to make Satan pay for this. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful words. And yeah. Something, it was like, you know, the Lord, well, the Bible says that the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. And right. he will redeem everything that is lost yes. to us. Yes. Somehow, I just remember it just like it was yesterday. Somehow, something just broke in my heart. Oh, when, yeah. When she said, God's going to make, because it was like, Oh, yeah, that's God's job, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then the other young friend the friend that was with me was actually my midwife who had birthed all oh. these. So he, she absolutely loved my boys. And yeah. she was heartbroken about it, too. And she just looked at me and said, Grace, Jesus understands yeah. because he's a man acquainted with sorrow. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. understands the pain and the sorrow that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And he has made a way through it. Yeah. It may be just a narrow gate yeah. and a narrow road, mm-hmm. but he will see you through. Yes. He will he will guide you through that road. Yeah. That is so good. And I thought, well, he may have to put me on the shoulder <laughs> like the shepherd carrying. <laughs> right. Me. But yeah. But somehow again, just something so simple as Jesus was acquainted to sorrow, suddenly yeah. it's like the anger lifted off me. Yeah. And uh, so it was just that perfect time and the Holy Spirit using them. Yeah. And yeah. And I love how you were in community. You were with friends Mm -hmm. and they started speaking the truth, Mm -hmm. speaking God's word to you. And and I felt like when you described that, it was like a prison kind of just Mm -hmm. opening up. We talk Mm -hmm. about our invisible prisons Mm -hmm. and you felt freedom, right? some kind of freedom from that in Mm -hmm. that moment. Yeah, that is wonderful. In Isaiah uh, 61, that was one we've been over and over. He he takes, that makes the captives free. Yes. He says, he binds up the brokenhearted, which I think is very important for people grieving and uh, to know. He will give us um, the oil of gladness for our um, despair. He will give us the garment of praise. Yeah. And he'll give us, in the big one, he'll give us the crown of beauty yes. for ashes. Yeah. And after suicide, I'm telling you what, I can't, there's so many ashes and it's mm. so black. Yeah. And so that was a scripture we really held on to, that we would see the goodness of God in the land of the living and that he was faithful to do those things for us. Yeah. That's good. That is so good. 
Grace, is there anything else that you would like to share, maybe to those listeners that are finding themselves grieving, maybe due to a suicide or just an untimely death? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, probably two things. And one is that grief is a very dark and sometimes desperate journey. And Mm -hmm. we've got to take our thoughts captive. We need to take our thoughts captive, period. The Word's very clear about that, that that we, we are wrestling with a spiritual battle yeah and so the word says in romans 12 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind mm-hmm. and in second corinthians it says for our weapons of our welfare are not flesh but have divine power and yes. that we have to take every thought captive mm-hmm. to obey christ yes yeah. you know you think about you have about forty thousand thoughts a day yeah. so that's a lot of thoughts to corral yes when you're <laughs> when you're down deep in it yeah. sometimes it's moment when you're grieving it's almost like moment by moment sure yeah because these waves of grief hit you and mm. they just almost knock you down and you never know what's yeah. going to trigger you and it's there the first thing in the morning when you wake up you've kind of forgotten and then yeah. there and so you've got to really kind of tame and lasso those Mm -hmm. those thoughts all the time. And God even tells us what to think about in Philippians Mm -hmm. uh, 1, 12. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. So you take those things that you're thinking and Mm -hmm. you know that where they lead is to death and destruction. So Mm -hmm. you almost have to just, my mom used to tell me, you're thinking just depressed thoughts. So you just need to, they're not of God. They're of Satan. So you just need to turn around and go the other oh, way and think good. about something different, Grace. Yes. You tell me that as a, as a little girl. That's so good. But what happened with me, especially with both deaths, but especially with Cole, is I dealt with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so there was this loop playing in my mind of doing CPR on my son. And them literally taking him out of my arms. They made me step back, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's just this whole, all this emotion and everything in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it just kept playing as a loop. So I couldn't even take my thoughts captive. Right. So I would encourage people to get help. Go see mm-hmm. a counselor. Talk to someone that will can help you. And there's a yeah. really good program. It's called EMDR. And not to go into detail, but basically what it does is it helps you go back through that memory, that moment, that trauma. Mm-hmm. It's literally trauma in your brain yeah. that has to be rewired and recircuited. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it helps you go through it where you are going through it with both sides of your brain. Ah, uh, yeah. And I can tell you, I met with the counselors like our third visit, and we did EMDR. And it was like night and day from the time I walked in. Wow to the time I walked out, mm-hmm. that memory stopped playing over and over mm-hmm. in my head. And actually, as I went through it over and over during that session, the memory didn't even look the same. Wow. wow. I have to make myself concentrate to go That's back amazing. to that night of what it really looked like and it was really like because wow. it's like the Holy Spirit has yeah. made it into something that I can withstand. Yes. That it's still the same truth, but yeah, that it, it's just not as dark. Wow. And so I would suggest that people go and get help if they yeah. find that. And then also to answer the questions, you know, we always hear people say, why do, why do bad things happen? Why do some suicides fail and some succeed? 
why would a good God allow it to happen? Why couldn't we have stopped them? Mm-hmm. And those those questions really don't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, you, I kind of thought them out all the way to the end and realized there was no answer. So then when I'd get to that question, I'd go, okay, I've just I've gone to the end of yeah. all of those <laughs> yeah. roads that, you know, and yeah. rabbit trails and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. But a friend spoke uh, a scripture at Cole's funeral that really, really helped me. And that to get my mind around this whole thing. It's that scripture where we get rip, mm-hmm. R.I.P., mm-hmm. or rest in peace. You, you yeah. see that all the time. Yeah. I didn't know where it came from. Right. You know, but in... in um, Isaiah 57, 1 and 2, it says, Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, and no one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Mm -hmm. For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. Other versions say the righteous are taken from calamity, um, taken from misery, and finally at, at rest. You know, we live in a fallen world, and we all have a free world. Yeah. And so God, in his unfathomable love, we have to trust that he does allow some things to happen, that he knows the future and he knows the plan. And I feel like with my boys, he knew, never came as a surprise. He knew what was going to happen. He knew how many days they had. He knew what they were going to do. And he made the decision, the godly good decision to allow them to come home to you. Mm-hmm. That's good, Grace. That is so good. Thank mm, you. That's so powerful. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, it's thank my you. pleasure and I, it's my hope that those that are listening um, will go and get help and yeah. that they will turn to a loving God that loves them. Oh, Amen. Yes. Amen. Oh, well, thank you so much, Stephanie. And yes. oh, Grace, I'm just looking forward to just getting to know you yeah. even better. Oh, I just yeah, I just love, that, love that. And thank you again so much for being oh, here with you're us. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. So friends, thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our future conversations. And stay connected with us at warriorsariseministry.org, of course on Facebook and on Instagram. So I am Jane Zahasky. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, it's time to rise up, warrior, and step into your freedom. Warriors Arise exists to educate and empower women to break free from the labels of their past in order to find hope, passion, and purpose. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Remember, this is a safe place to talk about unsafe things.